You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church Midtown. The great theologian Augustine of Hippo once said that in the Old Testament, the new is concealed. In the new, the old is revealed. When we think of the messianic prophecies from this perspective, we see that the Old Testament whispers to us about the coming of the Messiah. Join us during our Advent sermon series titled Rumors of the Messiah, where we confirm the whispered prophecies of the Old Testament that told of the birth, suffering, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peace be with you. So with you. Today's scripture reading is Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4, and Luke 4, verses 16 to 21. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees, planted by the Lord to glorify him. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the former devastations. They will renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Luke four sixteen to 21. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Robert. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so grateful that you're here, especially knowing that it's the day after Christmas. I hope your Christmas was good. Mine was But, you know, holidays, I recognize, can be hard, but also can be happy as well. I know before I became a Christian, uh, there was this pressure and expectation to be joyful around this season, even with the Christmas carols and all the gifts to be received. Um, But then also with the new year coming just a week later, there was also a pressure with regarding the New Year's resolutions, right? You got to come up with something. You got to live differently. But as 2021 draws to an end, it gives us an opportunity to reflect about this past year. So a question I have for you right off the bat is take some time right now to think, what was your 2021 year like for you? What did you experience? What are you experiencing now as you think about the things that happened and also the things that didn't happen? You know, at this time of the year, the news channels and articles, they, they recap the year as best they can. And... You know, they recap the highs and lows, but some of the heartbreaking things that we can all acknowledge is that COVID has 
killed over 700,000 people just in the U.S. alone this year. The political conflict has divided our country and also the ongoing struggles with racism and um, injustice continues to tear the fabric of humanity. Hurricanes and tornadoes have killed hundreds and displaced thousands. Some groundbreaking news, just yesterday, NASA launched a multi-billion dollar satellite that they claim will be able to see the beginning of time. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they claim, they paid money for. But also we got the <laughs> murder conviction, the murder conviction of those who killed George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. Home prices have jumped 24% and used car prices jumped 20% in the last year. And we withdrew our troops from Afghanistan who was there for a 20-year war. You know, the end of 2021 means that there's another year coming. There can be a pressure and a weightiness associated with how you're gonna live differently and also how you're gonna perform better. Maybe you're gonna be thinking about what changes will I need to make with my circumstances, my relationships, and even what changes do I want to see in myself? But it's important to remember a couple of things. First of all, you and I cannot control our world. Also, we cannot change our circumstances. We can't fix our relationships. We cannot heal or restore our brokenness. If this is true, how do we go into the new year with any hope? The enemy wants us to think that there is no hope. But God, with God, there's always hope. And then also, God offers hope through his promises. We are coming to an end of the Advent Sermon Series and where there's been a bunch of promises that we've talked about week after week. We started with the promised seed, the promised king, the promised birth and suffering, the promised resurrection. And we have seen how Jesus Christ has been the fulfillment of all of these promises. And this should be no surprise because, as we see in 2 Corinthians 1, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. And this last sermon is not going to be any exception as well as we talk about God's promised restoration. Here's a quick sermon outline. You can see, number one, God knows what is wrong. Number two, God knows what we need. And number three, Jesus offers what we need. But here's the big idea for today. God promises restoration. God restores us in Christ. I can't think of a better passage to end this year and to begin a new year because God's promised restoration is exactly what we need as we lament the painful experiences of 2021, but then we look at the uncertainties that we face in 2022. So let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, we're so thankful that you are the God of ages. You never change. You are faithful and good always. And Lord, you love us and you promise, Lord, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And so, Lord, I pray that your spirit would work in a mighty way, that your word would come alive, that your word would encourage us, and that we would sense your presence as we consider life in this year and life that we're going to be living in the next year. So, Lord, bless this time, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So, first, God knows what's wrong, 
In order to understand why God promises restoration, we have to understand what went wrong, right? So in creation, the beginning of God's story, God created us for communion where he created us so that we might know him, experience him, and live in such a way that we reflect him or image him. God created us for this intimate, personal relationship where we can enjoy time with him and communion with him. You know, God cared for Adam and Eve in the garden as he protected them and provided for them through his life-giving word, his mighty power, and his faithful promises as he spoke to them from his word. But just three chapters into God's story, Adam and Eve dismissed God's words. They doubted his promises and his power, and they disobeyed God by doing what? They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God gave them everything to enjoy in the garden, but they did the one thing he told them not to do. Due to their original disobedience, Adam and Eve opened the doors to the kingdom of evil, which infected every person, everywhere, and every generation with indwelling sin. And we call this indwelling sin original sin. Every human has been and always will be impacted by evil, which has led to every form of brokenness, every form of brokenness that we know and experience in this world. Anxiety, depression, abuse, addictions, injustice, oppression. These are just some of the ways that God did not create us to experience in this world. But ever since Adam and Eve sinned, every person has been enslaved, been blinded, been oppressed by sin's destructive nature. As a result, sin has flooded into the world, and as a result, we are broken people living in a broken world. Our souls are broken by the evil of self-love and glory as we tend to live for ourselves and do what's right in our own eyes. Our bodies are broken by disease and disorder and even death. Our relationships are broken by, by selfishness and greed and malice and slander and division and control and manipulation, this disrespect and isolation, the list can go on and on, right? This is why our homes and our cities and our world is filled with abuse, murder, and even genocide. Our relationship with God was broken by sin as well. As a result, we don't believe in God. But even if we do believe in God, we can doubt and question God's promises. We can doubt his presence, and we can doubt his, his power as well. Even creation groans as it experiences the broken, brokenness of natural disasters, droughts, pollution, and infestations. So take a moment and consider the hard parts of your story from the past, or zero in on what was hard in 2021. Specifically, think about your relationships, maybe relationships that have led to your shame or fear or anger or sorrow, or maybe consider your reality that has led you to fantasize about someone or something different than your God-given reality. Maybe because of your relationship, you feel lonely, betrayed, unwanted, unknown. Think about the challenging and confusing circumstances you encountered this year. Financial hardships, sickness, job difficulties, unexpected circumstances, you know, accidents, disease, disasters, all of these things have impacted us in one way or the other. 
The enemy, who is the father of lies, wants you to believe your painful relationships and circumstances are because God is not good. He wants us to believe that God is not in control of this world, that he doesn't keep his promises. He is not powerful enough to keep us from such harm. But we have to reframe how we look at our relationships and our circumstances. And how do we do this? We do this from God's eyes, looking at his story. Which part of God's story can you attribute or locate the source of all your pain, brokenness, and heartache? Well, let me give you a hint. It's not creation. Because God did not create you and me to know or experience evil. And he did not create us to do evil as well. But we do so anyway. God wants you to see and understand that all of the brokenness you experience and the brokenness you cause others is due to the fall. Reframing all of our struggles into the fall is actually good news for two reasons. First of all, the fall is not the end of God's story, right? And also, the fall is part of God's story. As Christians, you already know that the fall is not the end of God's story, right? You know that in your head, but in your heart, we can struggle to believe that, right? because of the ways that we've been bruised and battered in this broken world. But some of you may be wondering, why did God allow the fall to be part of his story? Another question, another way of rephrasing that question is, why did God allow evil into this world? Well, there's no simple answer to this question, but there is a simple and profound reflection. In his wisdom, God allowed the first man and woman to know and experience evil so that he could demonstrate his love by sending his son from heaven into the fall so that he could live the life that we could not live and he died the death that we deserved. Jesus not only declared his love, but he also displayed his power as he defeated sin and death at the cross and through being raised from the dead. To put it simply, in his sovereign wisdom, God allowed us to know and experience evil so that we could know Christ and experience his love. God knew what was wrong with his people. God sent prophets all throughout the scriptures to warn them about how they were living. But he also, he would declare time after time after time his promised restoration so that they would know that the fall was not the end of God's story. If God knows what is wrong with us, then God knows what we need. So hopefully a slide will come up behind me. There you go. Good. So Isaiah wrote between 750 and 700 BC about Judah's coming destruction. He warned them. He warned the people based on how they were living, but also um, that they were going to be overrun by Babylon. But then he promised restoration almost 200 years in advance. But then in 597 BC, Babylon actually attacked and plundered Judah, which is the center point of the southern kingdom of Israel, and sent them into exile. And Judah was in exile for 70 years. But then at the end of those 70 years, God's promised restoration began. So let's listen to God speak to his people about his promised restoration through the prophet Isaiah for one of the passages for today. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the former devastations. They will renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. God knew that his people were suffering, but also God knew how his people were living as well. God knew what they needed before, during, and after the exile. Not only did God predict the destruction of Judah, but he also predicted the restoration of Judah as well. So let's switch to our own personal lives. If God was able to do this with the the nation of Judah, do you think it's possible that it applies to us as well? You know, imagine with me, do you think it's possible for God to know everything good and bad that we've done all the days of our lives and that he actually promised restoration before we were even born? Let's take a look at a slide. All of us have a story, has a timeline, and it starts with birth, right? We have a past, present, and future. But then Psalm 139 verse 16 says that God knew every day of our lives before we were even born. And also Ephesians 1.4 promised restoration before our birth. God knows our story and our struggles. He knows every detail of it. But also because of God's promised restoration, Jesus restores our souls and redeems our stories, just like the nation of Judah. You know, so as we look at the passage in Isaiah 61, God knows of your brokenheartedness. God knows what's kept you captives, and God knows what has held you prisoner in the darkness of your heart and mind or your circumstances. God knows your mourning. God knows your despair. God knows the ancient ruins and the devastations of your heart your home, and even your life. Just like Judah, God promised to restore you. God knows what you need. Only God has the wisdom and power to accomplish what he has promised. So now let's fast forward about 600 years um, to the Gospel of Luke. In Luke 4, Jesus had just returned to Galilee after being tested and tempted by Satan in the wilderness for 40 days. Now that we've seen that God knows what is wrong, and we've seen that God knows what we need, we're going to take a look at what Jesus, that Jesus offers what we need. So I'm just going to be reading through Luke chapter 4, uh, verse by verse, and explain it along the way. So Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on a Sabbath day. The synagogue had a certain liturgy, right? Uh, it would, they would have times of prayer. They would read passages from the law and also the prophets. They would sing psalms, and there would be some teaching on the passage, and they would end with a benediction, just like we, we do, right? So no surprise that we do that, part of church history. But Jesus stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. Given what we know about the Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered in the mid-1900s, the entire book of Isaiah could be found on one scroll. 
It's no coincidence that Jesus found that place in the scroll of Isaiah 61 because it described his mission to reconcile our broken relationship with God, but also to restore our broken souls. Jesus continues, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me and sent me. Jesus was anointed and sent by his Father for a rescue mission. Jesus was commissioned to declare good news and demonstrate the love and the power of God through his life, death, and resurrection. When Jesus was sent from heaven into the fall, he ushered in the kingdom of God to defeat the kingdom of evil. But who was Jesus sent to preach? He was anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Jesus came to preach good news to the poor, which meant the humble, the downtrodden, the disadvantaged, the dishonored, and all those who were spiritually and financially without. God meets the needs of those who know they need. From Isaiah 9, 9, verse 6, God meets the needs of those who need the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. So here's the question. Are you humble, desperate, and needy before the Lord? Do you seek refuge in Jesus as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, eternal Father, the Prince of Peace? Well, Jesus continues to read, He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. These promises were not distinct and different actions, but pointed to what God knew we needed, which was the powerful and beautiful restoring work of God through Jesus Christ that he began on his ministry on earth and continues even today. Take a moment and consider your story or this season of life, especially as you reflect on 2021. As you reflect on each question that I'm getting ready to read, don't think of these as separate categories rather than different ways that God seeks to restore your soul. What holds you captive? What enslaves you? Is it fear or anxiety? Is it porn or alcohol? Or drugs? What is blinding you? What has kept you in the dark, keeping you from seeing the light of Christ? Is it bitterness and anger, jealousy, or envy? What do you focus on that keeps you from seeing God? Is it your pain or shame? One young man told me that he spent so much time focusing on his story of pain and shame that he missed the spiritual blessings in Christ. Are you fixated on your career or financial goals as your source of hope? Do you immerse yourself in video games or social media as a way of escaping your reality or finding purpose and affirmation in a different reality? Are you setting your gaze on relationships that you think will satisfy the deep longings in your heart so that you feel less lonely and more wanted and loved? What has oppressed you or afflicted you, leaving you without a voice? Perhaps it's the pain or shame of a past trauma or an abusive relationship. Maybe loneliness or unmet longings have made you feel helpless and weighed down. 
Perhaps the consequences of your sin and the life of disobedience has led you to lose your job, your family, or even your honor. Maybe you're left feeling exhausted from living a double life as you keep secrets, as you strayed from God and strayed from the church. Hear Jesus' words again. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free the oppressed. If Jesus came to release you, he freed the Israelites from captivity in Egypt after 430 years. He freed the Judah from exile in Babylon after 70 years. Jesus can free you as well. He can break every chain that holds you captive and enslaves you. Jesus came to recover your sight. He gave sight to the blind man, right? Jesus can open your eyes so that you can see through the darkness that you may be in, so that you might be able to taste and see that the Lord is good, that you might be able to behold the glory of the Lord as he changes you from one degree of glory to the next. Jesus came to set you free from the power of sin and shame. He defeated sin and death so that you can live with freedom in Christ, so that you can enjoy once again communion with God where you can know and experience his love, his peace, and his joy. Jesus declared, so if the Son sets you free, you will be freed indeed. Jesus was anointed and set in God's timing to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, The year of the Lord's favor points to the day of salvation, that the kingdom of God has come. The Israelites would have understood this theme as the year of Jubilee, which signified for them the dawn of God's new age, which reflected total forgiveness and salvation. But then let's read on the next two verses. But as I do, try to imagine sitting in the synagogue, listening to Jesus and watching what's happening in the synagogue. So Jesus then rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, today as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. In essence, in his teaching, Jesus summarized his entire sermon with one sentence. Today as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. So in one sense, at this point, Jesus drops the mic, right? And then he walks out. But how did the Jewish people respond to what Jesus declared? They were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, isn't this Joseph's son? You know, they were initially uh, amazed by the fact that Jesus commanded such authority and confidence. But Jesus knew that, that they did not understand who he was or what he was saying because they referred to him as the son of Joseph. Only the son of God can fulfill God's promises of restoration. And so that's why Jesus said the next thing. He says, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. The people's initial amazement turned to rage as Jesus challenged them on their unbelief. They drove him out of the synagogue and sought to kill him. It's heartbreaking to hear how the people who Jesus came to be with rejected him. They rejected the only one who could restore their brokenness. 
But you know, we can be like the Jewish people. We gather here week after week. We hear the scriptures read. The scriptures are taught. We pray and we sing. And Jesus might have become all too familiar to us. You know, we can sit and listen and just call Jesus. You know, we can, we can tease, right? We can tease that Jesus is always the answer, right? And everybody chuckles. But we can, we can struggle to believe at times that Jesus can restore our brokenness. As you sit here this morning, how are you responding to what Jesus declared in Luke 4? Some of you are humble, desperate, broken before the Lord, and you believe that Jesus can restore you. Some of you may be numb, dried out, cynical, apathetic about God because your life, relationships, or circumstances haven't changed. You know in your head that Jesus can restore others, but you seriously doubt that he can restore you. Others of you may be angry at God, ready to drive God away just like the Jewish people because everything you tried hasn't worked or despite your prayers, nothing has changed. So let me allow me to say something um, in a very loving way and gentle way. Your doubts about Jesus, even your anger towards God, doesn't change the reality that God promised restoration and God restores you in Christ. But Jesus restores us even now. Over 2,000 years later, Jesus clearly and confidently declares that he can restore you right here and right now as you live in 2021, heading into 2022. Psalm 23.3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In this moment, as you sit here at the end of the year, as you're getting ready to move into 2022, I want you to remember that Jesus is still your good shepherd. And Because he's your good shepherd, you shall not want. And he can make you lie down in green pastures. He knows what you need. He leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul as you follow him along his paths of righteousness. He's leading, and we have to follow. Some of you may be asking, if Jesus is restoring me now, why do I still struggle and hurt? This is a really important question that needs to be answered. We still struggle and hurt because we're still living in the fall. Let me say that again. We still struggle and hurt because we're still living in the fall. Remember that God did not create you and me to know and experience evil, but we're being impacted by evil every moment of every day. That's why we continue to struggle in the ways that we do. But the good news of the gospel is that even though you're living in the fall, you're also living in Christ. And that both realities are true at the same time. I'm going to say that one more time. Because we're still living in the fall, we can have hope because we're living in Christ. Both things are true. The ongoing restoring work of Jesus is not canceled by the ongoing destructive work of sin and evil in and around us. Let me read that again. The ongoing restoring work of Jesus is not canceled by the ongoing destructive work of sin and evil in and around us. Life is still overwhelming, right? But God restores us by overwhelming us 
with his love, with his joy, with his peace. But what does it mean for Jesus to restore our souls when we ask God and cry out to him for him to change us, to heal us? Sometimes, maybe more times than not, we expect him to part the Red Sea or to raise Lazarus from the dead. You know, God can and does work in these magnificent ways. But more times than not, God restores our souls in subtle and significant ways. Let me read from Hosea 14. And this is God who's speaking. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily and take root like the cedars of Lebanon. Oftentimes, God's restoring work is subtle and significant like the morning dew. But it causes the lilies to bloom, but it also causes the cedars to take deep root in the ground. You may miss the tender love of God restoring your soul if you're blinded by your pain, if you're deceived by your doubts, or if you're deadened by your disobedience. Be aware of and believe that Jesus is restoring your soul whenever your thoughts align with his thoughts and you experience his heart. Let me give some examples of how Jesus restores your soul. He's restoring your soul when you experience God's peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of your anxieties. Jesus is restoring your soul when you begin to see the lies in the midst of your confusion and sin. Jesus is restoring your soul when you experience his presence in your loneliness, his comfort in your pain, and his love in your shame. But Jesus restoring your soul also changes how you live and love. Jesus is restoring your soul when you can live with unexplainable contentment and joy in the midst of your chronic pain or unchanging circumstances because God is sustaining you. Jesus is restoring your soul when you forgive those who have hurt you because you've been humbled by how Christ has forgiven you. Jesus is restoring your soul when you trust and obey him in the midst of your temptations by the power of God that is at work in you. Jesus is restoring your soul when you can rest and live with hope in the darkness of your pain and your depression. Because Jesus is your living hope. Why does, why does Jesus restore us? And that was a question that I asked as I was preparing the sermon this week. And I give a lot of thought to God's restoring work. And I never thought to really answer this question in a succinct way. But why does Jesus restore us? He restores us because he loves us, right? He restores us because he wants us to experience his comfort and love in the midst of our brokenness. But there's an even greater purpose for his restoration. And you'll see it right behind me. Jesus restores us as the means to sanctify us so that we conform to his image. That's kind of complicated. I'll read it again, but I'm going to say it a different way. But let me reread this. Jesus restores us as the means to sanctify us so that we conform to his image. So let me say it differently using two different motions here. Jesus restores us so that we can know him and experience his love. But then when we experience his love, we are compelled to live and love like him. Does that make sense? Oh, good. A lot of heads shook that time. <laughs> so Jesus restores us so that we can know him and experience his love 
and when we experience his love, we are compelled to live and love like him. So as we end the year, and as we head into the next year, how is God inviting you to live differently? I have three things for you. First, believe that Jesus can restore your brokenness. When Jesus healed the blind man, he said, your faith has made you well. When Jesus healed the leper, he said, your faith has saved you and healed you. So as your faith in Jesus restores your souls, we're going to automatically be drawn to Christ, which leads us to our second point. And that is abide in Christ so Jesus can restore you. Because God restores you in Christ, it makes sense that we need to abide in Christ. Jesus tells us that he is the vine and we are the branches and we can do nothing apart from him. Even though Jesus restores us, Philippians 2, 12 through 13 reminds us that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who is at work in us to will and to act according to his good purposes. The only way to know and experience God's love, joy, and peace is by sitting at his feet like Mary, as described in Luke chapter 10. Well, how do we abide in Christ? Three simple ways that I can't elaborate on right now. But we abide in Christ by receiving his word, by praying his word, and by living his word. And then lastly, not only do you believe and abide in Christ, but sign up for Restore. If you want to learn how to abide, not only personally, but also in community, sign up for Restore. If you are overwhelmed by life or you want to grow deeper as a disciple, sign up for Restore. Week after week, you'll have the opportunity to know and experience your God with other brothers and sisters in Christ and find joy in Christ as Christ delights in you. So let's end 2021 and step into the new year believing that God's promise is restoration and God restores us in Christ. And before we close, there's one more good news. I'm almost done. Jesus restores us perfectly in the future. In the new heavens and earth, our bodies and souls will be fully restored. The flashbacks, triggers, and any other evil responses or adverse responses to evil will be wiped away. Listen to the prophet Isaiah. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? And that's said with confidence, and that's the word of God spoken through Isaiah. But Revelation 21 describes how every painful memory and experience will be forgotten in Christ at the end of God's story. So allow me to um, read Revelation 21 over you as you sit and reflect on Jesus. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Let me pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. 
At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit SojournChurch.com slash Midtown.